Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Protect us from temptation and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to you. Forever, forever, amen. I'm so thankful for these words of Jesus. I'm, I'm thankful for the beauty, the truth, the grace that we find in these words. And maybe more than anything else, I'm really thankful that Jesus gives us such a clear place to start when it comes to developing a healthy prayer life. You know, last week I shared with you that as a Christian, I don't pray because I think I'm good at it. I pray because I think it's essential. Prayer is an essential part of what it means to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's, it's obvious when you read the Gospels that prayer isn't just something Jesus does. Prayer helps empower Jesus to be who he's supposed to be. Prayer is this, this spiritual solid foundation that Jesus builds the rest of his life upon. It's a lifeline. And if I'm going to be like Jesus, and I absolutely want to be like Jesus, then it means that my life is going to have to be built on the foundation of prayer as well. Every time I pray, there's a part of me that's worried I'm not quite doing it right. When I pray, I think I might be missing something. And yet I also carry within my heart this longing, this hope to believe that when I pray, everything's going to click and fall into place. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that there are many times when I have that experience, when that happens. I I start to pray. I open up my heart to God. I start to, to share my hopes and my fears. And suddenly, I'm overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence. And I don't just mean God's presence in the room with me, though I experience that. I have this overwhelming sense of God's presence in my life. I've had times when I'm praying and I talk to God about the fact that I've been wrestling with a difficult dilemma and I just don't know what to do. And, and suddenly the answer of what I should do appears fully formed in my heart, in my mind, like the gift from heaven that it is. There's been other times that I've been begging God to give me the strength to hold on, to keep going. And in that very moment, I feel this divine power hold me up and start to hold me together. I've had other times when I'm confessing to God, confessing my deep need for a peace that passes understanding because I'm going through a situation that I just don't understand. I can't get my mind and my heart wrapped around it. And and in the instant that I ask for that peace, my troubled and anxious mind is, is all of a sudden calmed and quieted. And for those kinds of prayer experiences, I am immensely thankful and grateful. And and like I said, they don't happen all the time, but they happen often enough. They keep me going. They keep me praying. And yet, as I shared last week, there are times in my life, my spiritual life, where I just kind of hit a wall. You know, when, when you're looking at your smartphone and you start to try to do something and you realize that it's, it's locked up, that it's frozen, that, it, that it's trapped in some application or trying to do some task and it just, it's not going to work. You know, and there, there's times you try to close the app. There's times you try to turn the phone off and on. Uh, but then you get into situations, or at least I do every once in a while, where none of the normal tricks are going to work. And I'm going to have to perform what IT specialists call a hard reset which is not as simple as turning the phone on and off. You've got to hold these two random buttons and you've got to hold them down long enough 
that the phone, the, the operating system will, will completely shut off and power down and then reboot, boot back up, and, and you feel like maybe, hopefully, that you've got a brand new phone, right? Whatever it was that it, that it couldn't do, suddenly you've got your phone back. For those of us who have a few more miles on us, a few more years on us, we may remember that wonderful old blue screen of death. Right, that no matter what you were in the middle of doing, maybe writing a 20-page paper, you realized that your computer was in fact crashing. And the only way you were going to get that computer back was if you forced it to reboot. There are times in my spiritual life where I realize things are just freezing and, and stopping and I'm just not getting anywhere. My, my, my wheels are spinning, but I'm not making any progress. And, and I keep trying, but I can't find a way around it. And suddenly I will realize that I'm in that place spiritually where I need to undergo a kind of soul-hard reset. I need to reboot. I need to start over. The words of, of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, they've, they've always acted as a kind of reset button for me in my prayer life. And, and they help me see at times what, what might be causing my soul to, to spin in circles. They, they help me get my heart unstuck. They, they help me at, at many times in my life to stop continuing in less than helpful habits that maybe I've fallen into in my quiet times with God. My genuine hope for us as a church family, my, my genuine hope for you, is that you're going to find that the Lord's Prayer can do that same kind of soul work in your life. That, that whether you feel like this morning you need a reset or not, you can discover that Jesus' simple prayer that he gives to us when, when all, these disciples all these years ago ask, Lord, teach us to pray. This is the lesson. These are the words he speaks to them that, that I hope they can function as a kind of home base. They can be a place to start again if you need to. They can be a, a way that you can orient yourself and figure out if you're struggling at all where you need to go next. Every time I say the Lord's Prayer, I find new ideas. I, I, I encounter new truth that I've missed before. And I, I find that, that Jesus, in giving us these words, he's, he's helped us find a way to, to draw ourselves closer and closer to his heart. The opening sentence of this model prayer that Jesus gives us, this example that he offers us as our teacher, that opening sentence is probably one of the most familiar sentences uh, to most of us. Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be holy. Or in older translations, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, no matter how you, you know these words, no matter how often you've heard them, they're simple, they're direct, and yet they're able to carry within them this, this real depth to what they're trying to help us see. Jesus begins with the word our, our father, not my father. And that small difference in vocabulary makes a really big difference in real life because it reminds us at the very beginning of, of what it means to be people of prayer, we realize that the God we're speaking to is not a God that's just for me. He's not a God that's just for you. He is our God. That, that we are in this together, and that when we pray, we, we even, even if we're praying by ourselves, we're never praying alone. At any given moment, there are countless Christians all over the world who are praying alongside of us. 
Now, I, I might have to use my spiritual imagination to, to see those people, but God doesn't. And in addition to those praying at the same time with me in the present, the prayers of all the believers throughout the ages are still alive and well within the listening heart of God. Prayers that are thousands of years old are still working and active in the eternal mind of God. And when we pray, Jesus says, we always pray with others. We pray together. And we need to remember that. We need to hold on to that truth, that fact, that the simple act of talking to God, the, the simple act of reaching out to God, opening our hearts to God, also binds our hearts to other people. It binds our hearts to a timeless worldwide community of faith. And that matters. Brothers and sisters, it matters because all of us have times when we pray, when we feel really really alone. And and what Jesus wants us to understand in the very first word of his prayer is that even though we might feel alone, our feelings are are misleading us. We're not alone. As as the writer in Hebrew says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And that's true whether or not you and I can sense that cloud of witnesses, whether or not we can see that cloud of witnesses, they are with us. And we're not alone. The second word Jesus prays is Father. Our Father. He says that the God we pray to is not primarily a judge or a boss or or a private investigator or some kind of spiritual tax auditor. The God we pray to may share various aspects with other kinds of authority figures, but the primary role that Jesus wants us to picture God in when we pray is a loving parent. Jesus wants us to picture God as this perfect father who who loves us and cares for us unconditionally, no matter what. That that's the beginning place. That's who we're speaking to. A caring father who wants what's best for us and listens to us even when we don't know exactly what to say. Jesus wants us, when we pray, to be overcome with a sense of of safety and security that we are speaking to one who loves us more than words could ever fully describe. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul, echoing Jesus, tells us, because you are sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter, and if you are his child, then you are also an heir through God. Abba, Father, Paul writes. And he's not just choosing that word at random. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he prays to God, our Father. Abba, it's just a simple, in Jesus' time, the, the simple two-syllable name that the youngest children in the family would call out Uh, to call their fathers close to them. And and Jesus is using that word, Paul is using that word to help us understand the kind of relationship, this loving parent, this loving father that we have and got the kind of of interaction he wants with us. You you can imagine the, the way that you treat a child who's just at that age where they're just learning to say a couple of words. There's this informal intimacy There's this unguarded closeness that Jesus wants us to to imagine that we can have with our Heavenly Father, with our Heavenly Abba. 
And while we may not think of ourselves as, as children who are young enough where we're just learning to speak, in some ways, brothers and sisters, we need to have that kind of humility when we pray. That, that we don't bring anything to God other than ourselves. And the good news is that that's all God wants. All God wants is us. And so we come to him, our Father, trusting and believing that we're in a safe and secure place. And where is this Father who loves us unconditionally and adopts us into his spiritual family? Well, Jesus says that he is in heaven. Now, now, as we all know, if, if we've grown up at church at all or we've read scripture, we know that the concept, the idea of heaven is an incredibly rich idea in the Bible. It's, it's multi-layered. There, there's lots of dimensions to it. And, and I really wish that we could explore all the various things that that word means in scripture. But we, we can't do that this morning. There are two aspects to this idea of, of a father in heaven that I want to point out because I think it'll help us understand what Jesus is, is really trying to help us see. The first is this idea of a father in heaven it helps us imagine that the, that the one we're praying to is over all the earth. That he's, he's over everything that's under heaven. That he has the authority over everything that happens in all of creation. And Jesus wants us to know that that's the, that's the power that we are praying to. That, that when we come to God in times of great fear and, and anxiety and uncertainty, we have come to the right place and we are speaking to the right one because we are speaking to the only one who is powerful enough to intervene in any situation we might find ourselves in. Our God is in heaven. He's over all the earth. The second aspect to the phrase that I think is important for us to, to think through is that in, in Jesus' time, the phrase in heaven was another way to say in the sky or in the air. And, and in fact, when we talk about heaven now, uh, there are times that we talk about it as a place up there. And so we still carry with us the sense of, of heaven is, is up, it's, it's high. And we think about the sky. But I, I want us this morning to not think about the sky and instead think about the air. And specifically, not the air up there, but the air right here. The air all around us. Right? The air that, that we breathe. Because what Jesus is trying to do here with a simple phrase of saying, our Father in heaven, is he's trying to help us understand and imagine that the one we trust as our unconditional loving parent isn't just a parent. He's not just a father but he's over, he, he's over everything that happens to us. He's over everything that's happening in the world. And he's as close to us as, as the air we breathe. He's as close to us as the air in our lungs. He is unimaginably powerful and undeniably present at the same time. That's the God we speak to when we pray. And Jesus wants us to hold on to that truth. Now, he, he closes the opening sentence with a request. Right? It's, it's clear that Jesus wants to start this, this model prayer by saying, you, you need to open your heart up to a certain identity when you think about God. And it is this loving father who calls us together in a family. He's as powerful as we can possibly imagine. He's more powerful than we can possibly imagine. And he's closer to us than we can possibly imagine. And then he has a request. May your name be holy. And I find it to be a really interesting request because 
It's a request we can only make to God if at the same time we're willing to make a commitment to God. See, because for God's name to be holy in our world, there's this direct connection between God's name and how people see it based on how God's people bear that name. Well, let me say it another way. It it may not be fair, but just as the lives of children in a family impact the way we think about the people who raise them, the way we move through the world directly impacts the way people in our world think about our Heavenly Father. If we pray, God, may your name be holy, if we want God's name truly to be made holy in our world, we're going to have to faithfully live out. We're going to have to faithfully represent that distinctive holiness every single day. If we want God's name to be sacred in our world, we're going to have to be the community of people, the family of people that make it clear to everyone through our behaviors and our decisions that we believe that every single person, every single life, every single soul is sacred. If we want God's name to be synonymous with good news, to people in our world, then then brothers and sisters, we're going to have to be the people who make good news happen in our world in God's name. When we ask for God to make his name holy, we are offering our lives to be the place where that holiness happens. We're promising to, to protect his name, to protect God's name from becoming a punchline or becoming an angry threat, or becoming the primary reason that somebody shakes their head in disappointment, we are promising to do whatever we can to make sure that God's name in our world is the most beautiful name that anybody could ever hear. All of that taken together is what Jesus wants as as our entry point into this prayer. He wants us to be clear about who we're praying to, the fact that we have been adopted into a family together, And that our primary, our first request to God is for our lives to be the place where his glory, where his holiness is made visible. Now, I know that's a lot. That's that's a lot to say in one sentence that's only got 11 words in it. But it's a wonderful example of just how much truth and insight Jesus is able to pack into a prayer that you can recite from beginning to end in 20 seconds and yet spend the rest of your life exploring. In so many ways, no matter how many times we've prayed before, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' words in this prayer help me remember that we're just getting started. I want to invite you once again, if you haven't already, to download the the daily prayer card that that we have on our website that that will give you the, the ability, the prompt, to pray every day Jesus's prayer. And and I want to tell you again, we've got a brand new weekly devotional guide that's already available uh, that will help you grow in this study from this Sunday to next. We really want to make sure uh, that we are, are devoting time outside of our worship gathering online for us to be shaped by these words of Jesus. In, in our house, in the Robinson house, we have been praying every day Jesus's prayer. And, and I want to tell you that, that it has created a time each day where we come together, we connect with one another, we connect with God. And, and one of the clearest things that, that I've started to, to understand and what's happening is that as much as I, I pray for Lauren and the girls, 
and I often pray for Lauren and Riley and Reese. I don't pray nearly often enough with Lauren and Riley and Reese. And this simple 20-second prayer is helping me understand the power of not just us being a praying family where, where four of us as, a, as individuals have a prayer relationship, a prayer life with God. We want to be a family who's praying not on our own, but praying together. That there's power in that, that there's a blessing that comes from that. And so I just want to encourage you, if, if you and your family haven't done that yet, please, Take some time to gather together every day and speak to God as, as a family. Speak to God uh, with your friends. Speak to God with someone uh, through FaceTime. Find a way to have this communal moment together. I, I promise you, brothers and sisters, we will be changed when we invest the time and the focus and the energy it takes to take these words and, and, and move them beyond just words that we're listening to, to become words that we are living out actively and clearly. We will be changed. And, and the best thing about praying Jesus' prayer is that we're not only seeking our own blessing, but we are asking God to make his name holy, which is another way to say we are asking God not only to bless us, but to turn us into blessings. And I, I can't tell you how much that changes everything in terms of how you look at the world and how you look at your relationships, how you look at your relationship with your Heavenly Father, with our Heavenly Father who wants us more than anything else to be close to Him. As we sing this song together, may your heart know the love of that Father.